June 12, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzan, the Kaf Bet Amud Aleph. If you count from the top of the Amud down, 16 lines down, two words before the end of the line. Uh, the Gemara cites from the Mishnah, you recall the Mishnah had three things that Rabban Gamliel would be stringent, he'd be mahmir, like the opinion of Bet Shammai. And the second of those was, you can't place upright, it sounds like, a menorah, a menorah, Rashi said, some candelabra made out of metal. It sounds like there's a particular Joe, Joe and Joe. Maybe just grab one of those. It sounds like there's an issue in placing it upright. What would the issue be? Says the Gemara, Maya Ka'avid. What is the person doing? What are they creating? What is the problem in taking a menorah and turning it upright? Amar Rav Hinena Barbisna Haka be menorah shel halayot askinan. The circumstances, it's a menorah made out of many different pieces. It's not one piece, which you're just lifting upward. It's many different pieces which you're putting together, and as a result, means to see, means it is seen as as if you're uh, violating the Isur, the Melachav, Binyan on Shabbat. Rashi, two lines from top, and when it fell down, its different pieces became disassembled, and in reassembling them, that's Mehazed, appears as if it's Binyan on Yom Tov, says the Gemara. So then what's the machloka between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel? If it's Binyan, well, that's a melacha from the Torah. That's prohibited. Why should it be permitted according to Beit Hillel? The Beit Shammai savre yesh binyan bekelim. U Beit Hillel savre en binyan bekelim. The en setira bekelim. The statement of the Gemara in turn is to explain that there's a machloket which is a deep-seated machloket. It goes to the depths of the melacha called Binyan. How do you define binyan? When we talk about the mishkan, for example, we envision binyan for the structure, the building, a house, a room, a, a tent. That's binyan. Would you extend the melacha called binyan, construction, to even kelim, utensils, something that's movable, something that's not a permanent structure that I'll dwell in? Well, that's the debate between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. According to Beit Hillel, absolutely not. It needs to be similar to the Mishkan. The Mishkan, there was no such thing. The Binyan was not per se for kelim. The Binyan was for the Binyan, for the, for the structure of dwelling in a tent or a home. According to Beit Shammai, in contrast, yesh binyan bekelim. Stira is a sister melacha with binyan, and as a result, if there's binyan, there's stira. If, if you don't maintain that yesh binyan bekelim, then the answer might be no, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously dependent upon that. Rashi yesh torat binyan bekelim ubone hayav bekol shehu. And Binyan, in this context, Rashi points out as well, he adds, is Bekol Shehu, don't think that there's a Shi'ur per se that's not being effectuated. That's Yesh Torat Binyan Bekelim. En Torat Binyan Bekelim explains Rashi the opinion of Betilel. Ve'eno Hayav 
and you'd only be liable the only way that you'd be liable with regards to constructing, making a utensil. So you might say, oh, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. Now I could be involved in the continued, I don't know, manufacturing whatever it is that you sell. After all, I thought it was Melechet Binyan, the reason I couldn't put it together. It pauses you, Rashi, and says, well, slow up. There's a lot of other issues that might be involved in putting together a, uh, uh, some sort of manufactured item, even if it's not a home. Kigon, he goes through many of the melachot, the sewing, the smoothing, and the so on and so forth. Uh, each of those could and would be a, a liability in the context of creating something, even if it's not a, a permanent dwelling structure. But from fundamentally for our sugya, when you return the pieces one to the other in order to reconstruct this figure of a candelabra, en bone ela bebatim veohalim, says Rashi, binyan, according to Betilel, binyan, that melachat, one of the 39, binyan, sira, will only be by batim and ohalim, homes and tents. Now that's what the Gemara says is at stake over here with regards to this issue. All right, that's where the issue of the menorah poses. Go ahead. Uh, interesting point. In other words, in Zokvin, says, uh, says Jeffrey, we read Zokvin as you just pulled it up. At least two things. Firstly, Liskov really means to, to stand up. I mean, when I piece it all together, I am standing it up. Maybe that's just the verb that you use. Furthermore, imagine it, and we'll read in Tosafot in just a moment, um, that maybe this is the way to imagine it. Imagine it as a, um, a porter crib, uh, what do they call it, pack and play. Or a uh, or an umbrella, um, what's it called? Not an umbrella, umbrella stroller. In each of those circumstances, what would you say? You'd say you're picking it up, whereas effectively you're taking pieces and you're kind of connecting them and placing them in their part. According to Tosafot, that's what our Gemara is talking about. According to Tosafot, our Gemara at no point was actually talking about piecing the things together and actually put them, it's talking about somehow they're connected and you're just lifting it up and they come together. That's, you know, so the wording in the Gemara and the Mishnah is actually a lot sharper, I think you're pointing out. So look at Tosafot on the left-hand side, Ubetilel Savre, and Binyanu Stira Bekelim, the second Tosafot on the Amut. Vim Tomar, Tosafot begins with a question. This is often what Tosafot does. They ask a question not internally, but externally. How do you deal with this Gemara vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, with, uh, with uh, the, the knowledge of another Gemara. It's what we do in our methodology of Torah all the time. It's what the Hachamim taught us to do. Don't just read one passage on its own, compare it to all the other passages in the Torah. We envision the Torah as being spread out, and all the passages are supposed to complement one another. The question always is, are you supposed to do that in Talmud? Now, that's different schools of thought. Tosafot are the trailblazers in that and saying, don't read each sugya independent, know it all, and compare each to the other. Realize we have common or identical editors, they have to match up one with the other. That's what Tosafot does here, and they always do this. The Habbe Shabbat, they cite from the Gemara Masechet Shabbat, Daf Halayot. It sounds like the identical case. It's the same words as our sugya. Kule alma means everyone. La pelige, do not disagree. It means everyone agrees. De asur. Now, what you would need to do if you're going to be really thorough over here is to look up that Gemara. But for our purposes right now, we're going to have to take Tosafot's word or my word on this. The Gemara Masechet Shabbat has the identical words and everybody agrees it's prohibited. Uh, why should it be a difference? 
if, if all, it's an interesting point, we hold that thought, Jesse, but for our purposes at the moment, why would you distinguish? How is it you distinguish in terms of severity on a de'oraita level? De'rabbanan. So Tosafot, well, that's interesting. Tosafot, you don't need a candelabra per se. You need a wick and a, I understand, but you'd be able to, you're going to be doing that ultimately anyway. You don't have another bowl or cup that you'd be able to put it in. V'yesh Lomar says Tosafot in their first answer, indeed like you, Jesse, Dehatam over there in Masechet Shabbat, would you know it, Mayere, it's dealing with, so the first answer of Tosafot is the Gemara Masech Shabbat reflects a rabbinic restriction and Isur Drabbanan. Everybody agrees that according to Beit Hillel and Binyan Ustira Bekelim, nonetheless, when it comes to Yom Tov, will be fully permissive. When it comes to Shabbat, the rabbis drew a restriction, but it's not similar to the Mishka. Okay, but it looks wrong, it feels wrong, so the rabbis forbade it on Shabbat. Iname, alternatively, e if name as well, yesh lomar, you can answer, we can answer. Dehatam there in Masechet Shabbat, even though it uses the identical words to our sugya, mayere, it's dealing with shekula shel halayot umefarekin ota evarim evarim. That Gemara is talking about its many pieces, and you're putting them and taking them apart piece by piece, literally limb by limb. Aval, however, hacha of here, our Gemara Mayere is dealing with she'en haserkan rak, and this is what I was referring to, Jeffrey, lahakima kesat. All you're doing is picking it up. It's already connected. I know there's some something, some uh, something that's connecting it, some string, some string. And it's fully connected. What would be the problem in turn? Nathan's a step further, so then why would Beit Shammai say it's prohibited? It appears as if it's binyan, it's a rabbinic restriction. That's what it had. Is it a gezerah legzerah? No, because it begins with Beit Shammai who, who maintain yesh binyan ustira bekelim, which means to say if it was actually many different pieces according to Beit Shammai, it's asum in ha-Torah. Now, this is the rabbinic, right, the step back, um, this is the gezerah. But it means fundamentally this is, you should know, when it comes to these sorts of issues, the pack and play porter uh, um, crib, when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the strollers that pop up in that respect, why don't we have a problem? We always point to this tosafot, this sort of logic, that it is all together. You're just picking it up since we follow the opinion of Beit Hillel, since in this circumstance it's not many different pieces being put together which might be forbidden even according to Beit Hillel, albeit midrabbanan, over here in this type of situation. You can. No, no, no. That's the first answer of Tosafot. Second answer of Tosafot, where they introduce us to different realities, it's permitted. It's permitted. The question is, with regards to those, why do people build them and assemble them? No, no, but Hacham Vadya, I mean, all the post game deal with both of the ones that you just mentioned. Now, with regards to puzzles, that's not Binyan. Uh, it's an interesting thing that some of the post game, it's a minority opinion, raise. They say that since it's going to emerge a picture, it might be something along the lines of Kotev. Yeah. Hard, hard to fully wrap my head around it, but uh, that's the argument on that. Most of the poskim are matir, but there is a certain restriction, according to many, along the lines of what you're saying, that you should be mindful of the fact that you're not leaving it per se like this as you lock them in. In other words, you're not going to, your vision is not to now, now glue them and fray them. 
It might be a restriction according to some poskim on that. On Lego blocks as well, it's the same type of issue. It's true, they are mihudak to the extent that they could stay connected, uh, but which parent is allowing for their child, or which child has in mind that they're going to leave these connected on the floor for the rest of the time? These are purpose to be opened and closed. That's, at no point is it a binyan shel keva. Umbrellas, we'll have another conversation on another time. Yes, but yes. Which might, to a certain extent, Jared, be the same thing. In other words, when Tosafot suggests that it's already connected, that might be the underlying logic, right? The underlying logic might be, Nathan might say, who cares if it's already connected? You're, you're erecting, you're putting it together. The answer might be, the fact that it is connected portrays to us that you never wanted it to be up. That's why they made it connected. Who buys that type of flimsy item? Uh, only if you want to put it down and up all the time. All right, anyway, that's what the Gemara has for us. The Gemara now goes on and tells a brief story and a halacha which emerges from it. Ula ikla lebe Rav Yehuda. Ula visited the home of Rav Yehuda on Erev Yom Tov. Kam sham'eh. His helper, his shamosh, uh, his, his butler, I, I suppose, of Ula, gets up on Yom Tov, zakaf la, la shiraga. Shiraga refers to a flame, and it's the uh, candle structure. Rashi, kam shamay de Ula, the helper of Ula, got up, zakaf la shiraga. Shahiyar says she ishtalek Hashem in la ahorav, velo yimashik ahara petila vetechabe. He was fearful, he was fearful that in such a circumstance, what's happening is um, the oil is continuously funneling into the area where the, um, the, the wick is, and so he turned upward the, uh, the candle item so that the oil is no longer funneling downward, but it's rather stationary, and the flame, in turn, will go out quicker. That's what the Gemara describes. This is what we imagine as something, it's an indirect putting out of a flame. Do you follow? Again, in some way or fashion, it's tilted. The oil, which is funneling into the, or, or connected to where the wick is, is directly, the oil is going to continuously go down in order to keep that flame going. What this individual, this helper of Ula does, we don't know by his instruction or not, is he turns it upright so it's no longer slanted downward, and in turn, the flame will go out quicker. Etive Rav Yehuda le'ula. Hazit Ula, he thought he was just coming for a Yom Tov uh, experience. He didn't realize he was going to be challenged based on his Shamosh's actions. Asks Rav Yehuda to him uh, from the following Beraita, Hanoten Shemen Baner, Hayav Mishum Mavir, Vahamistapek Mimenu, Hayav Mishum Mechabe. The halacha, as he presents it, is Hanoten Shemen Baner, a person who adds oil to the candle. Hayav, it's a violation of an isur min haTorah mishum mavir of burning in such a but I didn't burn, but you aided directly the burning. Hayav mishum mavir vehamistapek mimenu. Lehistapek in this context means that you're taking out the oil so you could use it on your own. Lechol sipukav, you're doing it for yourself. Uh, but by taking the oil out, you're diminishing from the continued flame. Hayav mishum mechabe, you'd be hayav for extinguishing the flame. 
also a melacha min ha-Torah. How is it, he's effectively asking him, that your shamosh, your helper, situated the oil in a way that it would go out quicker, that it wouldn't be funneling into the wick in a direct fashion, and in turn, the flame would go out quicker. Isn't that hayav mishum mechabeh? Wasn't that nisur min ha-Torah? Rashi, hanoten shemen baner b'Shabbat, hamistapek notel mimeno ve'ochel, hayav mishum mechabeh, v'kibui b'yom tov la'ishtareh. You can't put out flames on Yom Tov. There's no heter in such a circumstance. Turns Rav Yehuda and turns to Ola and says, what are you doing? Amarle answers Ola, oh, don't shoot the person, the bystander. Amarle, it wasn't on my mind, meaning I didn't realize this was happening. I didn't tell the Shamosh to do this. He did this on his own and he did the wrong thing. That's the end of the Gemara, a very brief and succinct Gemara with regards to very critical issues, with regards to aiding the continued fueling of a flame or removing from it, albeit both in somewhat indirect fashions. Tosafot on the left-hand side begins a longer conversation, which we'll have for a few minutes now. Tosafot v'hamistapek mimenu hayav mishum mechabeh, says Tosafot at the onset before comparing it to another Gemara, but they'll do it right away. Do not, and you should not, explain our Gemara the way I just did, that there's a quicker extinguishing of the flame. That's not the issue here in our Gemara. Why not? This would be characterized as what we call grama. Many people, not all of us, have heard of this concept. Ligro means to cause. It means it's something that's indirect. The Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Kaf, the Gemara elsewhere, talks about indirect actions. Indirect actions on Shabbat are not prohibited from the Torah. The Torah says you're not allowed to be ose melacha, melacha lo te'ase, or lo ta'ase ko melacha. And as a result, the understanding is it's a direct action. If it's indirect, it's not permitted on Shabbat, but it's only prohibited from the rabbis. It's in Yisumit Rabbanan, on Yom Tob, Geram, Gerama of Amilacha is permitted. Again, we'll have to talk about specifics as they arise in your life or others. But that being the case, as a principle, as a fundamental, uh, just parenthetically, my uncle for many, many years, uh, my uncle lives in Israel, my mother's uh, sister's husband, um, he worked in an organization called Tzomet. Tzomet was and is renowned for making mechanisms for people in dire circumstances that work based on gerama which means to say for people who are immobile, for example. You may have been in even very religious neighborhoods in Israel, and you see someone on Shabbat with an electric wheelchair. How are they doing that? How could they be going around in an electric wheelchair? They know the halakha, it's a very religious neighborhood. They're probably, if not certainly, using a tzomet wheelchair. Now, if the person's in good health or it's a, just a, a circumstance for a short period of time, there wouldn't be a permissibility. But the great poske halakha, the last 20, 30 years, were matir in many of these circumstances because the electrical circuits that were built are built in a fashion where it's indirect, gerama. But that's what Tosafot is referring to. Long before electricity, Tosafot's talking about gerama in the context of old-fashioned flames. 
Old-fashioned flame over here. You're not directly extinguishing. You're indirectly extinguishing. You're not directly lighting the flame. You're indirectly fueling it. Says Tosafot. That shouldn't be on Shabbat Asur from the Torah. On Yom Tov, it shouldn't be Asur at all. That's the so Tosafot initially just says that's not the interpretation. It's not because you're making quicker the extinguishing of the fire. Means it's permitted. Even though you're quickly, uh, you're, you're quickening, you're hastening the extinguishing. They're citing, I imagine, some of the Gemarot de Metzayen. It's a Gemara Masechet Shabbat. Rather, what is the interpretation to our sugyah? The reason over here is since the Kesat. Says Tosafot, our sugya specifically is talking about such that, <coughs> imagine for a moment, as the shamosh of Ula adjusts the flame, not the flame, adjusts the candle. In that moment, the flicker or the 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 um, the light, the candle is a little bit weakened. That weakening is direct. It's true. The continued uh, lighting is indirectly extinguished. But in that moment, le kulehai. It's le, it's not able le anhure. Anhure in Aramaic means to light up. It's it, it's dimmed in that moment, and that. Partial extinguishing, that's what we're talking about in the moment, which was direct. Again, at that very moment, that you're taking out of it the oil, in that case that we read. You're already extinguishing partially. And as a result, you're, so to speak, covering the light. It's not able to shine forth and to light up fully. When there's less um, uh, oil in the, uh, in the in the candle. And it therefore appears kikibui. Says Tosafot. Based on this, we have a tremendous kula. Again, long before electricity. If it's running, you just I'm going to deal with something similar. I'm going to deal with something similar. Says Tosafot. Right now, we're really just on the kibui. Um, uh, Nathan's extinguishing it to to the continued right. And it says. Tosafot right now are, are even more uh, in, in a place we don't go entirely in today, day and age, and we'll discuss why. Based on this, we think, or we're certain, you can permit the following. A candle of sorts. It's large and it's made out of wax. You could sever the bottom. You can't really cut it with a knife. That's a different melacha, but it's a makeb patish rather. Rather, you could probably do it, or you could sear it off, maybe by cracking, maybe with with uh, heat. Regardless, you could take off the bottom. That's those technical. At the moment that you're cutting off the bottom, it's not as if you're taking the oil, which is uh, which is lighting it in this moment. You rather the continued when it gets down. Down to the bottom, it's going to use the bottom of the wick. That wick is no longer there in such a circumstance. So suggest Tosavot. Kevandim shash rehotechotai nemakhish me orashela kelal afal gavshu gorem 
it's permitted if it's an indirect kibui this is where it's only if you did it with fire because that's later on that's the statement of Tosafot it's a very important uh, statement of Tosafot and for many many years I think until very recently this conversation really was a critical conversation for many people who wanted to be Shomer Shabbat in the electricity era. A little bit different in terms of certainly in America the way we uh, build our homes, but for many, many years, until today, for many people in specific circumstances, we'll talk about them, there were what's called Shabbat timers. A person would put a manual timer into the wall and then plug an electric device into it. So many people, some people still do it. I'm not talking about what's best advised safety-wise. Some people still do it for their hot plates on Shabbat. They'll collect, connect it into it. They don't want the hot plate running the whole Shabbat. They'll connect it into the timer and the timer will manually put it out. I'm gonna, uh, I, we do that in my home. I'm not saying Saying, uh, we, could, we couldn't, no, I'm very sensitive to this because there was a case in which I think it was, it was connected to one and there was a real, there was a particular danger. There is something of that sort, but why is this so? Over here it's just removed. Geram kibui is, is, is removed. Okay, the, the question over here is are you doing either? You're not doing, you're not you're taking away, is it actually extinguishing? So as a result, in the circumstance of the, the Shabbat timer, the question arises twofold. Number one, now if you've ever seen it, involved with it, there are a lot of little pegs around that, that box of sorts, and you, you press the pegs. I'll be very honest again, I've never touched it. This is all, all Zahava's domain. I've literally never, I bought it once or twice, but that's it. Anyway, so you press these pegs, but I, I know about it from Halakha, and, and, and you press or pull in the pegs based on how, when you want it coming on or off. Now again, there's no electricity on that device. That device is only manipulating the stream that's coming in. Could you manipulate that? Could you change that on Shabbat? Twofold. Number one, could you extend it? You're extending the light or the, the, the electricity, or could you pull it up earlier? This was, was and is the question for many, many years. Hacham of Yosef. On Shabbat, on Shabbat, before Shabbat, uh, what'd you do? You came into Shabbat, your lights were on, right? You didn't do anything. So in this book, in She'elot Tishbot, Yabi'a Omer, Yabi'a Omer is, for all intents and purposes, the magnum opus of Hacham Ovadia Yosef. It's his, his crown-jeweled uh, production in terms of his uh, Torah writing. Any one of his Tishubot, his responsa, which are fully articulated, not so much from the masses at all times, sometimes for the higher scholarly elite, you'll find in She'elot Tishubot Yabi'a Omer, there's, uh, ten, there's 11 halakim after his death, one was uh, published, but that's, that's what you're dealing with in these, you know, he has shorter books, they're called Yehavedat, easier to read for everyone, they were set on the radio, initially has Hazon Ovadia, they're written in a way that's accessible to all. Yabi Omer, you already see the letters on the page, they're very small, it happens to be a beautiful book, a very beautiful book, but, um, but the letters are small because if you're going to read this, you know, you got to be prepared for this. Anyway, he writes here in Hele Gimal in Siman Yod Chet, Nishalti Od, you see that Alan says this. In the last siman, in the last chapter of this book, what I wrote is, you're allowed to set up the, uh, the, the clock. Uh, now that I did that, if it happened, third line, if it happened, 
if you set it up to go off at a particular hour during the night, and the guests stay uh, longer, the grandchildren are keeping you up, whatever the case is, you want to leave the light on longer, or you started the meal later, so you want the hot plate on longer, whatever it is. As a result, you want to push and press the, the pegs backward. You want them only to go into effect. In other words, it's going to cut the electricity at a later point, to push everything later, is there a violation in that respect? And so too, on the flip end, everything went a lot quicker than planned, or whatever, you're not feeling well, you're going to sleep earlier, you want everything to go out quicker, can you push them up Earlier, Belel Shabbat Ba'ofen Lechabot Bemuktan. Okay, so let's go now to the next paragraph. The next paragraph begins, I hope you're not too surprised. Bebeta, Dafkaf Beta Mudal. He cites from our Gemara, Tanya. This is our Gemara, so he's setting up, he's setting up the sources that are necessary for dealing with such an issue. This we learned as well. And so on and so forth. Skip a few lines. He's really just quoting basically word for word Tosafot until the sixth line, seventh line here, which says, Ayen Chan. And continues, and this is what Chacham Vadya Yosef and many of the poskim do very well. They say, we did our research. It's not only Tosafot to write something. Katav Others wrote so as well. Now, Pause with that and think for a moment about Tosafot. According to Tosafot's logic, it would appear clear as day that any of our such issues are permitted. There would be no reason to forbid or to think that the Shabbat clock adjustment on Shabbat, the timer should have any issue. Why should you have any issue? It's only Genama. It's far removed. Why is it Mukzeh? You're no, not. That's what's very clear. You're not. It's like cutting the candle at the bottom. That's what. That's the. No, 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 no. Much better. Yes. Yes. It has to be a push button, not an electric one. We're not talking about electric. Let me be clear about it. We're talking about a manual timer, not an electric timer. What's that? I should. I should, but you're. You weren't here. I explained. I don't know how it works. I know how it works in theory. Yes, Charles. Say it again. So the candle in our the candle in our Gemara that Tosafot talking about both Shabbat and Yom Tov because on Shabbat as well Tosafot says you're not dealing with an issue from the Torah. Right, so notice we shouldn't really distinguish all that much. You might have a rabbinic restriction on Shabbat, but b'makom onik Shabbat. If it's helping your day, both Shabbat and Yom Tov. Yeah. So says says Hacham Yosef, and here's what's very important. And in a standard Gemara, you could turn to the back over here, but we'll we'll read it in here. Aval Harosh Katav. Rosh, his name was Rabbeinu Asher ben Yechiel, an important one of the medieval commentators. He's the first to be found at the back of the Gemara. A very important in terms of Pesach Halacha. You know, we think about Harambam, Rosh, and Rif as being our three main. Shafilo enomache oro. Even if you don't diminish the light in the moment that you shifted it, remember the case of Tosa, for example, you cut the bottom of the candle, uh, even in that situation, it's at the very least rabbinically prohibited. 
It's because keep in mind, Tosafot was arguing in such a circumstance. It's not even geram. It's it's so far removed. Geram kibui means something that's in the moment. Over here, it's so far removed. The geram kibui ki haigavna asur. In such a circumstance, and I'm going to explain to you what he means. Um, it is uh, you're doing an action to the item is the suggestion. You did an action, it's true, it's indirect, but you did a direct action, you cut the bottom of the candle, Rosh argues that's at the very least rabbinically prohibited. If it's something, if it's something, that's right, Tosafot says this sort of geram kibuy is permitted um, because you're not diminishing the light. Rosh says this geram kibuy, even when you didn't diminish the light, when you cut the bottom of the candle, is prohibited. Why is it prohibited? Because you did a ma'aseh, be a diamond action with your hands to the item, which is going to be effective. If you did it separate, if it's a trickle of a stream getting up to it in some way or fashion, that's where you might. That's where you talk about the gemaraki. Here it's on the actual item. He says in the situation where you added the oil to the candle, you are now extending the period with your hands. So says that would be prohibited. As a result, Shohan Aruch, Chacham Vadya Yosef goes right on to tell you in Siman Tafkof Yodalit is posek lahalacha like the stringent view, like Rosh. Oh, that being the case, we have shouldn't be able to touch the pegs. That's where Chacham Vadya Yosef is up to at this moment. We're going to for the moment see the end of this paragraph where so go to about five lines, six lines, two, four, six lines from the bottom. The last few words on the line, still in this column. Lefize yesh lomar denidon tidan nun dalit. Our issue talya is dependent upon bipluta the machloket that tosafot veharosh. According to Tosafot, according to Tosafot, on Shabbat mitzvah, we call that in order to enjoy the day. It's permitted. But Shohan Aruch, our final line is going to be Rosh. Let's for a moment just very briefly summarize before we conclude this. Again, all we're talking about in this first paragraph is not about bringing up, about stopping it earlier. That's afterwards. That's a lot more difficult. Over here with status quo. It's lit and I'm extending the period. He says that should be dependent upon Tosafot and Rosh. He concludes, however, I'm just going to read one line, uh, three lines at the end of the paragraph. What Chacham Vadya Yosef argues is that even Rosh would agree in our situation where you are not causing anything to happen, you are leaving it status quo. There's wind coming through the window. All I did was close the window. Did I touch the candle? I didn't touch the candle. It's one thing if I added, I added uh, oil. It's another thing if I cut the bottom of the item. Rosh gets very nervous in those sorts of situations, even if you didn't distinct, uh, uh, extinguish some of the candle, some of the flame. However, says Hacham Vadeosov, our case is even further removed. Why is it even further removed? You at no point injected the electricity. Electricity is streaming. What are you doing? You're just doing what's called hasarat monea. 
You're just taking away something that's blocking it. You're just closing the window. In such a circumstance, argues Chacham Vadiyah Yosef, on this case and only on this case, to extend the time, he says, is permitted. To pull up the time in the next paragraph, and we'll discuss it briefly at the beginning of class tomorrow, he says, I can't extend it because of our Rosh. Tosafot, again, would permit all, just in conclusion. Tosafot would permit all because you're not extinguishing in the moment, you're not adding in the moment. Rosh, we thought, would prohibit all. Chacham Vadya Yosef, and we'll return to this tomorrow, argues that when it comes to extending the period, leaving it status quo, the electricity is streaming in, I'm just making it that it won't go out, that's permitted, that's like closing the window from the air coming in, I didn't do anything directly at all, as opposed to pulling it up, we'll talk about tomorrow, he won't permit. What's that? Opening windows different. You're bringing the air in order to put it out, and as wrote according to Rosh, and for that reason, we'll be all there pulling it up earlier.